0: This is Around the Rim with Lachina Robinson.
1: Hello, basketball fans. It is 2019, and it's your first official episode of Around the Rim of the new year. We are your ESPNW Women's Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Lachina Robinson, joined by my fantastic and fabulous producer, Tarika Foster-Brasby, Whose daughter, Jada, is trying out for the basketball team. Yay. Yay! We're so excited for Jada. Good luck. Good luck, baby. I'm going to yes. be that mama. Yes. Oh, <laughs> gosh. Yes. Tarika stopping by practice today. And I made her promise that she is just going to not say anything. Um, but Tarika was a hooper. And did take Jada down in the low block. No, just kidding. <laughs> no, but she did take her home and show her some of her medals and trophies to hopefully put a little pressure. No, I'm just kidding. A little motivation, um, encourage and inspire Jada. So, um, our fingers are crossed, and I know you'll keep us updated with that. Um, and speaking of updated, we've got a great podcast for you today. Um, two guests. Number one, we have the Carol Lawson in the building who. If you don't know, now you know, is an NBA analyst, women's college basketball analyst, WNBA, USA basketball head coach. I'm probably missing something because Kara does it all. But she's going to drop the knowledge on us um, on this podcast. She actually was on the call for the big upset. That's right. I don't know if you've been under a rock or what you've been doing, but UConn went down. They lost to the Baylor Lady Bears, congratulations to Kim Mulkey and her team who put on a phenomenal effort um, at the Feral Center in front of 10,000, which I love calling games the Feral Center. That place is rocking. Okay. So just know that you need to get to Waco. Um, But Kalani Brown and company did what a lot of people think is impossible and has been. For, for, for much of Connecticut's existence under Gina Oriema. but they beat the Huskies. So Kara and I will talk about that game and just some general women's basketball stuff. Uh, we also have Asia Dirt on the show. If you don't know who hashtag night night is, that would be <laughs> the one and only Asia Dirt team lefty representing the ATL, uh, the Louisville Cardinals. She is incredible. If you haven't seen her play, you'll get to see her play this Thursday on the big stage, 7 p.m. on ESPN because the Louisville Cardinals are taking their undefeated record to number one, Notre Dame. That's right. As of today, the Irish are the number one team in the country. Louisville is number two. So that's a huge matchup coming this Thursday. So let's hear a little bit from Asia Durr before that game. This is a pre-recorded interview that we did with her. Um, at National Media Day. So we've got a lot to get to in the show, and we've got a lot to get to in the Round the Rim leading up to Tampa, to the Final Four. So um, sit back, relax, and enjoy Carol Lawson and Asia Durr. All right, basketball fans, um, we're going inside the huddle because there are people that are much smarter about basketball than I am, and we're grateful to have one of those basketball minds on the podcast today. Please join me and welcoming none other than women's college basketball and NBA analysts, Kara Lawson, to the show. Welcome, Kara. Thank you for having me. Excited and to be here. And WNBA. How can you forget that? Kara and I had our first season together this summer. We are excited to have Kara on WNBA and college women's basketball. To so what do we owe that honor? Um Kara... What are you in the midst of? Because your schedule's crazy? crazy uh, for the fans that have not caught up with all of the different basketball you're covering. And let's not forget, she's also a USA basketball head coach. Um, what is your schedule like right now, this time of year?
0: Once the calendar turns to January, I think everyone that's involved in college basketball or is a college basketball fan is is uh, inundated with games, right? Um, that's just kind of how our year, our year works. So I'm, I'm no different. Um, once, once January starts, I'm usually working four to five games a week, um, with my wizard schedule, obviously the NBA plays 82 games. So there's, there's games, uh, you know, most, most days, um, a lot of travel involved with that. Um, the nice thing about my NBA schedule is that I do the same team every night for the most part. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I have a really good feel, obviously, for the Wizards and and where we are in our season. And then uh, also in January, this time of year, you start to get repeat opponents. uh, And that's always helpful because you've already seen that team uh, this season. So I start to hit um, a good little rhythm uh, in January with with the NBA schedule. And uh, things start to get cranked up in women's college basketball. Uh, We had our first uh, Thursday uh game big Thursday game uh last week Yukon uh, and Baylor we have another one this week Louisville and Notre Dame which the new polls came out which is now 1 versus 2 which is very exciting Huge. uh we had a 1 versus 2 earlier this year with Yukon and Notre Dame uh so so that starts to go into focus and uh really start narrowing down on on teams and start preparing the long road uh to Tampa to the final four and start looking at teams through that lens Um, I watch games in women's college basketball in November and December, but I try not to make too many sweeping judgments about who teams are at that point because uh, teams change so much over the course of the year. And in January, you start to see in conference play uh, with better competition and obviously more games under their belt. You start to see a team's foundation solidify and get to see who they really are. Uh, as a group. So now is a is a really big evaluation time for me uh, as a, as I'm preparing for uh, for the countdown to the final four. And gosh, I guess it's three months, three months from today is the national championship, I think.
1: Yeah.
0: April 7th. Se- April yeah, 7th. Yeah. 7th, yep. so, there you go.
1: Well, with all that going on, we are excited to have you on, especially because you did call that uconn baylor game and to get us started let's just hear a little bit from um kim mulkey and her thoughts after the game well kim mulkey has just knocked off number one for the first time in your career but the first thing she said is where's my grandbaby
2: Let me tell you what, our kids played so darn hard, Holly. They guarded, they defended, they listened to the scout report. You know, I think the Stanford loss woke us up. And uh, we're a pretty good basketball team, and uh, when we play this way, I can't tell you enough about these fans. Look around this arena. School's out. We don't even have our students here. And they came, they did their job, our team did their job. Um... Tremendous basketball game, great for women's basketball.
1: You talk about that Stanford game, Kalani Brown with five points. What did you do between then and now to get her at her peak performance tonight?
2: her keep her motivated, keep her hungry. Seniors sometimes have a tendency... Not necessarily to lose focus, but what else can you teach them after three years? So you got to figure out ways to motivate them. And I brought her and Cox in my office. You're too good to only get seven shots. I don't care if you're double or triple team. Go get some offensive boards. D.D. Dee Dee Richards' defense on Samuelson, give that kid credit. She stayed on the floor, didn't go for the shot face. Every shot Connecticut made tonight, they earned. Thank you, Coach. Or should I say, good job, Grandma. Thank you, Holly. <laughs>
1: That was the voice of our very own Holly Rowe, um, who asked the best questions. And um, she's the GOAT when it comes to that. And Kim Mulkey, who was holding her grandson, but... Adam Amin was on the call. As I said, Kara Lawson was on it. And Kim Oki touched upon a lot of things that I, I'd like to talk to you about, Kara. Um, the Farrell Center, I tell people all the time how hard it is to play there. I mean, there were 10,284 people. So let's start with that. Like, it's not an easy place to play. And not everyone has been to Waco, so they don't understand what that environment is like. But she talked about their defense. And UConn was held to 29% shooting from the field, 34 from the three-point line. What stood out to you about the way Baylor defended UConn in that game, Kara?
0: Well, they they had so many positive, positive things. I I think the first thing that stood out was they have a team that's uniquely equipped to guard UConn. So, um, you know, a lot of people were asking me after the game, you know, well, what, is this a blueprint now, you know, of how to beat Connecticut? Which we get those questions a lot after Connecticut loses. It's a credit to their program because they don't lose very often. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I, my answer was, yeah, if you have Baylor's players, <laughs> right? <laughs> <I> mean, right. <laughs> if you have if you have those type of athletes, yeah, uh, they they had ter- terrific. They have terrific length, um, but not just in the post. Their guards as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Richards and Jackson have have good length when they go with Smith at the three, um, and Cox and Brown across that front line. Now you, you, you have tremendous size and length. So I thought that that length bothered Connecticut. Uh, this, this version of the Huskies, uh, does not enjoy terrific size. Mm -hmm. Um, besides Katie Lou Samuelson, you know, Dangerfield is smaller for her position. Christian Williams is, um, I don't think she's smaller, but she's not um, super long. Nafisa Collier, for, for being a center, is not very long. Megan Walker, for being a power forward, is not very long. So all of a sudden now you have uh, this length advantage. I thought Baylor had the athleticism advantage as well overall, mm-hmm. um, and I thought that bothered, uh, bothered Connecticut. And then their, their intelligence and their discipline – uh, which which Kim touched on in that post game interview as well, uh, to play the actions the way that they uh, that their coaches taught them to play them, and the discipline to continue to do it for for all four quarters. I thought that was uh, the best the best character trait of their of their win, and uh, I, I just hadn't seen it's been a long time a long time since uh, I'd seen a defensive performance like that, certainly against a team like Connecticut. I mean, uh, it's, it just, it seems like, you know, an oxymoron, you know, Connecticut shooting poorly 29% Mm -hmm. that just doesn't seem to fit in the right sentence in the same sentence, uh, because that's one of their strongest uh, traits as a, as a program is their offensive efficiency. It has been for, for many years now. Um, So, that was a, I was surprised that uh, that they were able to disrupt their rhythm for, for most of, most of the game. Um, not because I didn't think they're good, just because uh, we don't usually see that uh, see UConn disrupted for that long.
1: Yeah, I love the way you described it in the game. You said Baylor took the beautiful out of UConn's offense, which is so perfectly yeah. said. And, and for people that didn't get to watch or didn't know the numbers. Megan Walker's three for 10. Crystal Dangerfield was four for 18 from the field. Kristen Williams, three for six. Nafisa Collier was six for 18 and Katie Lou Samuelson was four for 16. Um I, I want to talk a little bit about Kalani Brown because it was, you know, we heard her conversation there. Um Actually, we listened to it earlier. Sorry, but she did talk to Holly after the game, just about how Kim challenged her. And Kim talked about it, you know, after the Stanford game, but You know, she has often mentioned the pressure that's on her or that she feels to make it to the final four. I mean, she'll graduate, you know, with in, in the record books for Baylor and be one of their greatest players and it just it doesn't happen that the great players from Baylor don't go to a final four. So she feels some pressure in that sense. But in this particular game she ended up with um 17 rebounds and 22 points. And she started out really with some jump shots, you know, showing us her high post game. And she'd come on the podcast earlier this year and talked about, you know, how she watches the WNBA and, you know, that has made her want to extend her game and the players she watches and, you know, like Stephanie Dolson and how she wants to add that to her game. Um, but she was also contesting perimeter shots early. I, I thought it was interesting that a, a few shots that Megan Walker missed were because Kalani Brown was coming out. I mean, she's six seven. Right. And, um, you know, I'm just curious your overall thoughts on her, um, you know, not only her time at Baylor, but then, you know, what you think she may be capable of at the next next level.
0: You know, I kept laughing during the broadcast when she'd make these shots and it wasn't (laughs) at all because uh, I was surprised or, you know, in shock or anything like that. It was just it was more of like, come on, like. This 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 player is this big and this unstoppable. pushed to the basket, and now she's making jumpers. Like that's not fair. <laughs> okay, right. that's not that's <laughs> not fair. Yeah. Uh, what what are you supposed to do? And she made four of them. Yeah, uh, it was. Um, I, I mean, I, I think on the second one. I just started laughing. I was like, I, I don't know what you're supposed to do because this is what you're conceding. Because ultimately, as as a defensive game plan you have to concede something right like you're not going to say we're going to shut down this and we're going to shut down that we're going to shut down that no. like the water's got to go somewhere right. right the water's still got to flow so you can't shut down every everything and that's clearly what UConn was conceding the jump shots to the post players Kalani made them pay uh Lauren Cox got great looks she didn't really make them pay too much uh, with their outside shot but um no I think I think uh the size and the strength of, of Kalani is is an issue, and it, it's an issue at any level. It's an issue at the WNBA level as well, even though there's more players with size and there's more players um, that are strong, but it's still an issue um, to, to defend her. Uh, the, the, the questions that need to be answered, in, in my mind, for Kalani at the next level are obviously defensively, ball screen action or defensively uh, defending um, a a post player that's facing you up Mm -hmm. and now all of a sudden taking you off the dribble, uh, how do you handle that? Uh, And how do you um, keep yourself uh, an effective player in in that sense? Uh, They run a lot of drop coverage with her in in college, uh, which is just the post player being depressed into the lane and forced that jump shot by uh, by the guard coming off, or that's what they're conceding is that long two with the guard going over the top as a defender. Uh, not many kids in college can hit that consistently, but in the pros they can. So uh, th- there's some there's some things there that I think you know you, you could you could certainly as, as her coach, um, I don't want to say hide her because that implies that she's not she's not capable, but you could find ways to to try and uh, alleviate some of those. Uh, blind spots in her game, per se. Maybe maybe they're not blind spots. Maybe she'll get up there and she'll be able to handle it. But we just haven't seen enough, or I haven't seen enough of a sample size of her at the college level, doing some of those um, those pro things where you have to be out on the floor. Um, and and nor should you, because I mean, if I had her in college too, I would put her in the paint and say, stop it. You know, we'll right. change when you stop it. And <laughs> most right. people don't. So um, yeah, that's kind of what I see. You know, what I see for her, but certainly the ability to hit that shot. Um, it's never, um, like I, I never watch a player and, and say, and I don't know if you have, but I've never watched a player and said, you know what, they're too versatile. Like, I don't know how, how I, I can deal with that. Right. You know, like they do yeah. just, they have, they're good at too many things, right? Like there's never a thing. You're usually just, okay. Uh, she's limited here. She's limited there. So I, I think her, her getting more confidence in her jump shot is only a positive thing. I don't know if, know if you're necessarily going to call for a pick and pop with her on an open mm-hmm. side for a game winning three, maybe not right. yet. <laughs> okay, right. right. But, um, but I think that's a that's a positive thing to keep people honest. Um, if she's able to hit that with regularity at the next level, that certainly would uh, maybe put some indecision in coaches' eyes in terms of how they would play a pick and roll action with her if mm-hmm. she's able to consistently hit that.
1: Yeah, you know, it's it's. I mean, I've I've enjoyed watching what the bigs are doing. Just. Uh, the evolution, you know, um, especially at the WNBA level. But it, i one thing I find fascinating is that Kim Mulkey has never moved away from a big post, you know, like in the day of even the small ball movement, which, you know, you could say still alive, whatever, you know, everyone wants that five player that can step out and shoot it. Kim has consistently wanted a big body on the block, right? And in a game like this, you see – Especially with the size of Lauren Cox, who had five blocks, I mean they caused all kind of trouble in terms of UConn's ability to get even high percentage shots in the lane. Um, but now people are saying, you know, oh Na- Baylor's now they're they're national championship contenders, and I mean you could probably speak for what a win like that does for a team, right, in terms of their own confidence. But when you look at the landscape of women's basketball right now, I'm just curious. You know, maybe that's the thing that's happening. Now, Notre Dame, as of today, is number one, and Louisville's number two, and those two teams square off on Thursday, which will be amazing. Um, But coming into this week, Maryland lost to Rutgers. Uh, We mentioned, you know, UConn lost. Tennessee loses to Missouri. Minnesota lost twice. Michigan State went down. Cal lost to UCLA. They they have had just a a terrible, you know, since their loss to Harvard, it seems I don't know what's going on there. Texas A&M lost twice. I mean, there, there just seems to be a lot of movement in this week in particular. Um And Big Ten really kind of stood out to me with, you know, Michigan and Illinois, Northwestern, you know, Indiana um getting wins against teams. But what stands out to you just in general right now, if anything, about what you see happening as things are shaping up and we head towards uh, the Final Four in Tampa?
0: I think that, I think the the top of the rankings is as flat as we've seen it in a while. Right. So I anticipate more of a topsy turvy year, um, particularly in the power conferences. Um, UConn obviously, um, that, you know, is not going to have the same type of rigorous conference schedule as, you know, a big 10 team would, or an ACC team would, um, it's not, I'm not knocking the American. I'm just going by the numbers. Right. Um, so, so that's what I've seen of the teams that I've seen. I mean, I think the Big Ten is going to be so compelling. The race. I mean, I had yes. I had Michigan State a couple of times. I had um, I've had Iowa, and um, I, I don't know who's going to win that league. Um, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it, there's a lot of good teams.
3: Yeah.
0: Um, you know, the ACC. Uh, obviously, Notre Dame and Louisville is at the top. Um, you know, the Pac-12. Um, although you know, I, I think we should mention you know injuries. Obviously, yeah. um, NC State lost a big piece.
3: Ugh,
0: um, yes, Grace Hunter. Stanford um, lost Nadia Fingle. Yep. um Oregon State lost Cat Tudor. Tudor. Yeah. Um, so there, you know, those those things. Uh, even though we you know we don't like them, and they're they're one of the worst parts of the game. They're a part of it, and so um, as you go through the season, too, injuries change change teams as well. Um, and certainly, I think those injuries could impact the Pac-12 race because both of those players for Stanford and Oregon State were playing really well, um, and Stanford has some other injury injury issues as well. Um, so, um, I, I think there's I think there uh, are a number of teams that are Final Four um, capable, capable of getting there. Um, I've seen a number. Uh, it's funny you say people saying that. Baylor's a national championship contender after they beat UConn. I thought they were before. Um, yeah, me too. I thought they were when I saw them. You know, first game of the year, we had them against Arizona State, and um, you know, they weren't finished product. But I thought if their guards continue to improve, that they're they're going to be right there with with every other team in the country. Um, so there, yeah, there's just a there's a group of good teams, um, and I wouldn't be shocked if anyone in the top ten. Did it make the final four? And I wouldn't be shocked if I mean I I'd have to look at the fifteen, but you know, I, I wouldn't be shocked if it stretched down to fifteen if a if a team made the final four, that's the thirteenth or fourteenth best team, you know, ranked in the yeah. country. I think I think it could go um, down that low depending on how everything how everything shakes out.
1: And I didn't come into the season feeling like that. I mean, I think that number has stretched. I mean, I think I came in with like, okay, seven, eight. I think my cutoff at that point was like Stanford. They may have been number seven or eight or, you know, somewhere in there to start the season. But, um, I've seen vulnerability. Like I've seen, I mean, UConn's obviously vulnerable and, you know, you may have known that before Baylor, but you definitely, you, you see it now. Um, yeah, I, there's a certain type of team.
0: I think they're, you know, they're vulnerable. I mean, I, I, obviously Baylor, the size, I mean, um, I'd love to see them play Mississippi State, right? You know, and, yeah. and how would how would that impact? Um, but it, it, it's 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 all matchups at, yeah. when we get into March. Um, it depends on who you're who you're paired with. Um, certainly, Notre Dame is 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 capable of beating Connecticut, even though Connecticut um, beat them already this season. Um, we'll have UConn Louisville later in the season, so we'll get a chance to to see those two teams square off. Um, but yeah, there's there's a uh, I'm excited. I mean, it makes me excited. I mean, you talk about coming off of the final four and we all came off of last year. And then you go into this year. And like I said, I think it's as flat as it's been at the top in a while. Mm-hmm. And then I look at all the good players that are coming into college next year and the year after and the year after. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's exciting, you know, yeah. it's exciting to, um, to see uh, how the game is, is, is evolving. and, um, I think, from a big picture standpoint, for a lot of fans, um, the the flatter the top is, the, the more compelling it, it is, um, and the more fan bases that you're um, bringing into the you know bringing into the fold, thinking that they have an opportunity to uh, to win.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a fun ride. Now, so you're calling um, Louisville at Notre Dame Thursday? Yes. Oh, yes. awesome! I'll be in South Bend on Thursday. All right, days. I can't it's wait. Number two, um, at number one as of earlier today, the AP poll that's seven o'clock Eastern Standard Time on ESPN. Kara Lawson will be on the call. That is, um, a number one reason to turn, to tune in. We would love to have you on the show more. Even just listening to you talk about the future of basketball, you're seeing that in USA basketball. And th- we, those are all things that we definitely need more insight on, um, on this show. So even though you're so busy, we hope we will make time for <laughs> yeah, Tariq totally. and I, Kara, uh, yeah, you're the best. Totally. Thank you so much. See you guys. Thank you. Hey, basketball fans. If you want to be the first to get around the rim podcast, make sure that you are subscribed. No matter what podcast app you have, make sure you are clicking around the rim. We are on the ESPN app. We're on Apple podcasts. If you've got an Android, like I do, I have both, Um, wherever you are, make sure you subscribe so you can get the podcast before everyone else. And, you can follow us on Twitter at Around the Rim Pod. You got questions, comments, concerns. Shoot us a tweet. Email us at Around the Rim Podcast at gmail.com. Or you can check me out on Twitter at LaChina Robinson or Tarika at she knows Sports underscore. We are so grateful for all of our listeners. You send us notes. When we see you on the road, you are encouraging and telling us you listen to Around the Rim we appreciate you, and 2019 is about appreciating you and bringing you more great women's basketball news Um, all day, every day. So with that, sit back and relax, because in a moment, we will hear from the one and only Asia Durr, hashtag night-night. We'll talk to you in a moment. So when you turn on this podcast, I'm going to say you can probably blame Tarika that I only have 10 minutes with Asia Durr because – she should have like had, 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 had you on. She should have had you on Speed Dial. Say girl, where you at? Hello, right? Uh uh-huh. <laughs> Fans welcome uh Louisville's finest, Asia Dirt to the show and um wait, and I should say ATL's finest too cuz we always yeah, we always got to connect here. on the ATL. You, yeah. That is our city. That okay. is our city. Um but we were just talking before we started this podcast about the WNBA and I remember looking up in the stands at Atlanta Dream Game, and I was like, is that Asia Durr up there? And I did get a chance to, to catch up with you, but I know you watched a lot of it this summer and how great it was. When, when you were up there watching, like, what goes through your mind when you're looking at WNBA players? A lot, you know, those, like, how they play is just
3: crazy. Like, you know, you have college, and college is, like, very talented, but then you have that next step, which is pro, like, These are real pros. Like, this is what they do. There's no more, like, classes going to class school. This is what they do. They live, eat, and breathe it. So it's like, and you got, like, clearly tell that. I I was just thrown thrown off by, like, just how hard they play, how strong they are, how physical the game is. Like, those posts, those guards, you know, everybody is so strong, and the game is quicker, too, quicker than college. Um, That's exciting, though, like, that's really exciting, just how they all can score. Everybody can score. The Post can score. The guards. I mean, obviously the guards can, but, like, you have posts driving it, like, rim to rim. You have, of course, <laughs> right. Brittany Griner dunking it. Like, you don't really see that too much in college, but, I mean, it was pretty cool to see all of that.
1: Yeah. I mean, and you're going to be there soon and actually a little Birdie told me, um, mm-hmm. I can't believe I just used that phrase. I almost get, <laughs> gave it away, but um, that when you were working out with the women's national team, you know, you had an opportunity to play with some of the the, the best. Um, right. That you were holding your own. Really? What, what was what was that like for you? That experience? That's good.
3: Oh, I'm glad they said that. I was hoping, <laughs> to, but I mean, to be on the floor with some of the greatest players of all time was humbling like I mean it was just I was happy to be there I don't care if I I just wanted to be a part of that like I just I wanted to be able to watch um in person how they play like just to be on the same court as them in the same team scrimmage too I mean that was awesome I'm I'm so thankful um for that and I was just trying to play hard and just pick their brain pick Sue's brain um all of them I mean they're, they're great at what they do. So I wanted to know, how did you get there? Cause I'm trying to get to where you are. Right, right, so.
1: right, right. Well, you got another chance to win a national championship this year. Um, and this time last year, and I'm trying to think of when we were in Columbus for that kickoff tournament. It was in November, but this right. time last year we were probably like, okay, Asia Durr and Louisville will be hoisting the trophy next year. Right. <laughs> okay. Like yeah. it, this, this, you know, we just felt like, yeah, this is going to be her year. This is going to be Louisville's year. Where do you feel like you guys fell short um, and have to get over the hump if you want to make it happen this season? Without maisha Hines-Allen. Right. <laughs> right. We lost a big piece, of
3: course, but it's the small uh, breakdowns. We can't really have breakdowns because um, when you're playing against those great teams where you want to have as few as breakdowns as possible. I know it's impossible to not have them, but – You want to minimize them, and that's what cost us in the Final Four. It was those small breakdowns that we had. I thought we played hard. Um, You know, obviously, I mean, they have a great team. They're very talented and coached by a great coach. But um, it was those breakdowns that we had. Um, Everybody thinks about that last Second shot that yeah. she hit, but you have to think about the things that led up to that play. You know, so we watched the film. It took me almost two months to watch it. Uh, I was gonna
1: say, how was, did you get over ooh, that moment? I where had you,
3: to. Coach Sam, was in my ear every day. Watch that film. Watch that film. I'm like, Coach, I'm trying just one step at a time. Right. I'm trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to heal from this first, and then I can watch it. But no, I mean, it was great. You learn from games like that. The ones that really hurt, those are the ones you really want to watch because you could grow so much from that. Now,
1: last season, and I was just looking, um, you have a chance to repeat as ACC Player of the Year. The last player to do that was Alyssa Thomas of Maryland, who it was so long ago that they're not even in the ACC anymore. Um, But 19 points per game, you had 115 three-pointers. Where was your focus in in the offseason in terms of how you can improve your game and, and hopefully be ACC Player of the Year again? This past year, I was just working on
3: things, um, my mind, strengthening that. Of course, I was trying to get, you know, stronger, too. But the basketball is always going to be there. I mean, I'm always in the gym, but it's not just that. It's it's the smaller things, too, such as strengthening your mind, um, getting your body right, healthy, where you could play for about six months, you know. Right. So that, that was the most important thing for me. I took some time off and just got my mind right and had some family time at home and things like that so I mean I had a pretty great summer
1: yeah I was gonna say I remember well just listening first of all I know how close you are to your family mm-hmm. and how important that aspect of life is to you but it, it the mental part of the game is an aspect I think people probably don't prepare for as much as they need to how do you grow the mental side like how what did you focus on doing was it rest was it know mental toughness exercises like how do you improve that aspect exactly well starting off I
3: um I have a counselor back at school we have a very uh, great sports psychologist at school where she's I personally feel like she's one of the best um in the game but I would um, talk with her and uh, I meet with my counselor I meditate too so mm-hmm. things like that just finding peace but I actually um I got time the whole month of July, coach, let me go home and just get my mind right and my body for this big year coming up, and uh, that was just the two, you know, most important things I tried to do, and just I took trips down to Florida. I went to the beach, yeah, with my family. Nice, it was fun, the China. It was so much fun.
1: Just got away from everything, right? Yes. I mean,
3: that's when you you become fresh when you actually you get to see the beach, the sun. Uh, spend time with your family because you really don't have that much time to spend with your friends and family so um that's what I tried to do because I know like as soon as I'm done playing here college there's no more uh family time that's all grind grind (laughs) grind which is I mean I don't care but um I just I wanted to spend that last uh time yeah with, with them
1: what has Maisha shared with you about what you can expect? Has she said anything <laughs> about yeah. WNBA? What'd she say? I tell this funny story all the time.
3: Well, um, so in college, we have a trainer that takes you to all your doctor's appointments, your whatever you need, she'll take you. So she had a physical as um, soon as she got to Washington, and she asked the trainer, she said, okay, well, what time are you coming to get me? And the trainer <laughs> was like, you got to find your own way there. And she was like, what? <laughs> she did not expect that. She told me, she was like, yo, that was the first step. Like, I, that was the first change. I did not know what's going to happen. But, you know, also chartering, too. You charter in college. So she's like, it's way more traveling now, waiting for your bag at baggage claim.
1: You're like, what is that about? Exactly. Right? I don't know anything about that life. <laughs> yeah.
3: So, but I mean, she, she loves it. She's had so much fun. I got to see her play a few times in person. So she's just living her dream and I'm so proud of her.
1: Yeah, me too. You know, she's got, she's got her footing, you know, and it's a great place to be in Washington with everything they have going on for them right now. But it's, it's funny to hear you say that. Cause the first thing I always say to student athletes is like, listen, when you're in college, that's the last time you're going to have that many people in one place that just care about you To the next degree. Like, you know, like you have everyone in, like, on the college campus, from academics to your coaches, they're all invested in you. And when you get to, like, the WBA, I mean, people care about you, but it's a job, right? Yeah, Yeah, it's a job, right? It goes to being a business. Like you said, that's what they do for a living is play basketball. Does that excite you? Like, the thought of, like, no more class, like, you're just focused on basketball? I could jump out this chair right now. Yes. (laughs) Oh, my goodness.
3: Yes. Like, I haven't been a big, like, of course, school is very important. I tell kids that all the time, but I just want to hoop. Like, I just want to play, and that's it. Like, you got study hall, like, in the morning. You got practice. Then after practice, you think you're done for the day. No, you got tutoring. You got two to three hours worth of tutoring. And then after that, I go back and train. But I just want to basketball. That's all I want, just basketball. But I'm going to enjoy this last few months of school, finish strong, and then
1: after that, it's just time to hoop time to go. Well, night night has been activated for the season. Now, we know what night night meant last year, right? It's like, okay, lights out, you know, I mean, you came out the gates beginning of the season like just with a killer mentality.
3: Does night night mean anything different this year? Same thing. Same thing. Put him to sleep. Coach San Francisco, you hear him all the time on the bench. Night night, as soon as I shoot a three, night night, you'd allow
1: this one, but I love it. I love it. It's, it means the same thing. Yeah. Put them to sleep. Put well, sleep. we're excited to see you play, not only here in Louisville, everything you do, but at the next level. And, um, keep repping ATL. I sure will. Thank you, LaChina. All right. Asia Durr, people. That concludes our show, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for tuning into Around the Rim. We'll be back next week with another great show, um, with all your favorite women's basketball analysts. Players, coaches, Tariqa and I will be here, of course, because Tariqa has to put up with me. It's part of her job. Um about that? We, <laughs> we will talk to you next week. Don't forget to engage with us on social media and share Around the Rim with your friends that like women's basketball. We like them too. Thank you. Hashtag Around the room. We'll see you next week.